0: You know, whenever I hear the ending of that Bumper video that we go and play, uh, when it says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, immediately I just feel peace because of the scriptural truth that is behind that. Utter and complete peace for those who are faithful to the sake of Christ. Centuries ago, uh, there, was a, there was a farmer who was working the land, and uh, he's going, he's plowing a field. And uh, as this farmer is going and plowing, the stranger starts to come up in the distance, mysterious figure. And as he keeps approaching and approaching this individual he comes up right next to him, and there's a great deal of suspense, I would imagine. And so he comes up right next to him. And what he does is he takes off his cloak, takes off the cloak and he places it on this individual. And he says, come and follow me. So if you know your Bible history, you know, that's the story of Elijah calling Elisha to follow as a prophet in the footsteps of arguably one of the greatest prophets who ever lived in the history of Israel, aside from Jesus Christ. And so one of the beautiful things about the transition between Elijah and Elisha is Elijah um, allows Elisha to go back to his family, to go say goodbye. And then immediately he goes and he begins his journey, serving the Lord faithfully all the days of his life. Now, these are things inside of our Christian relationship with Christ if we move forward into the new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. If we move forward, one of the things that we know to be true is this, is that there is a cost to following Christ. There is a cost that causes us to release and give up some of the things that may even be healthy inside this world, like maybe even our family, to be able to follow the Lord and to what he has called us to do. And there is peace that comes from that. Now, when we read these last two Beatitudes that we're gonna be studying today, We hear the blessed are the peacemakers. And then we also talk about how you're blessed when you experience persecution. Those are pretty strong blessings that we're asked to wrap up with in Jesus's teaching. But they're also so profound. They're beautiful. How is persecution beautiful? How is it it beautiful being a peacemaker? I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't always enjoy making peace with individuals. Sometimes that can be stressful. People are difficult. People in this life are just hard. And in my stubbornness, this is what I do. There are times in my life where I say, man, I just want to be right. In my stubbornness in making peace, I just want to be right. And I want people to know that I'm right. That's a terrible heart posture to have. There are times where, again, the Lord in his sense of humor humbles me and says, this is not it. Where's the grace? Where's the mercy? Where are the things that I show to you? And how come you're not reflecting those things to other people? And so this is where my heart is today for you inside this room. There was a study that I was reading and I, and I just, I found this so profound. There was a study that I was reading and it was on generation Z and generation alpha, which is the younger generations. They gave us trendy names. I don't understand why they could just call us the younger generations. And so there's study that I was reading said this in the American church individuals who are 25 and under, these individuals are considered the most biblically illiterate generation in the history of America. Think about that. The study went even as far to say that a percentage of them couldn't even tell you what John three sixteen meant. Could even say, for God so loved the world. And so I start backpedaling inside my mind, well, well what could be the reason why? We could go through all the different culture wars that are taking place right now. We can go through, again, the enemy doing a really good job deconstructing the home, deconstructing the environment that was originally meant to be able to bring up or raise up children the way they should walk, unless they depart from it. We could go into all these different things that the culture provides, but those things are all fruits. And so we have to trace the fruits back to the root issue. And so if you go back and you look over the course of the history of the church these past decades, what the church has done an incredible job of doing is presenting the gospel and saying, man, this is the gift that Jesus gave for us. They died on the cross for our sins. They was buried, that he bodily rose again from the grave three days later. And we have a choice to enter into a relationship with him. We've done a great job preaching that. But maybe here's the thing that maybe we forgot. Maybe we forgot to say that there was a cost to following Christ. Maybe that's where the kids who are 25 and under, the kids that I get the blessing of working with and the joy of working with, maybe that's why they don't get it. Because when things get hard, they quit, they back off. And here's the thing, when we read passages like, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, it doesn't compute in their minds. It doesn't make sense. And even some of us here today, it may not make sense that we are actually blessed when we are persecuted for the sake of Christ. So today we're gonna be, again, in the Gospel of Matthew. It's one of my favorite gospels. We're gonna be in chapter five. We're gonna be in verses nine through 12. And as we walk through this today, we have two key thoughts. We have peace on one side. We also have persecution on the other side. And what I want you guys and gals to do is I want you to come with me and we're gonna discover the harmony that can be found between the two, both peace and persecution. How can we be a peacemaker, but how can we also make peace internally with the fact that we will be persecuted for the sake of Christ? Because there are individuals in our world around us right now, churches that are being forced to be underground, churches that our church partners with, pastors who are beaten daily, Christians who are beaten daily for the sake of Christ. And what's crazy is just hearing some of the stories from our pastors who have come back and shared these with our staff, is that they are joyful to be beaten for the sake of Christ. They're joyful for experiencing those persecutions in life. And so for us, how are we being able to be at peace with the fact that we will at some point, some way, shape, or form experience persecution in our life? Beginning in verse nine, it says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Notice it doesn't say your account, but on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have just to open up your word of truth. Um, Father, protect me from myself. God, I just pray that we will be able um, to allow Your Word just to come alive here, Father God. We know that Your Your Word does not need any help being relevant. We know that Your Word is very prominent inside of our culture today. And we just pray as we talk about being a peacemaker and we talk about the persecution that we experience, Father God. That we will be able to see the beauty and the harmony between being at peace with the with the fact that we will be persecuted for Your sake. Thank you for Your kindness that You've shown this church, Father God. Continue to give us neither poverty nor riches, but give us our daily bread. Help us to walk in all humility in our relationships with you. And for those in this room who do not know you, um, Father God, I pray today would l- be an opportunity for them to start asking themselves really hard questions about what it looks like out to be in a relationship with you. It's your name. we pray, amen. Peacemakers, these are individuals who are self-controlled, who obey the word of God, love difficult people, Immediate conflict. Here's something, if you're a peacemaker inside this room, this is something that you do really well. If you want to be a peacemaker inside this room, listen up to this. It starts with self-control. Peacemakers are self-controlled individuals. Here's why, whenever conflict arises, if you don't have control over yourself, the conflict will control you. That conflict will dictate what you do and what you don't do, what you say and what you don't say. It all starts with self-control. So how do I get peace and how do I get self-control? This is where we get to survey the harmony of the scriptures, okay? Here's the beautiful part about God's word. It is the living, breathing word of God and it is interconnective. Here's what that means. That means I can read a passage inside of John and I can read a passage inside of Galatians and I can see that they actually really complement each other. Here's what I mean by that. So if you go inside of your Bibles and if you, if you go and study Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Paul says that we have the ability to be able to bear fruit. If you go to the gospel of John, here's what's interesting. John, who was able to provide an eyewitness account to the risen Christ, an individual who actually did life and ministry with Jesus. He actually says that Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. So let me connect the dots for you here. If Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, but Paul says we also bear fruit, then who do we need to be connected to in order for us to bear fruit? Jesus. So if we wanna start bearing these fruits, peace, self-control, love, joy, we have to be dwelling and abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus. So this all starts with you. If you wanna be a peacemaker, if you wanna be an individual who is self-controlled, ready to go whenever tensions arise and moments and conflict, just moments come across, If you wanna be ready to go and be a peacemaker, you have to be abiding with Christ. That is the first step. That's the first step, dwelling with him. And what happens is, is if we start dwelling with him, if we start doing life with Jesus, if we start spending time on his word, praying to him, being relational with him, you know what happens? We start to listen to the words that Jesus says inside of his word. We also start to listen to the words that are said here inside of the Bible. And you know what starts to happen is that we start to either say, man, this is either like really good or this is really crazy, right? All the things that God's commanding us to do. When we start to realize, oh man, this is, this is actually like really, really, really good. Then what happens is we start to put those things into practice. We become obedient to what God's word says. And that's the key. It's being able to humble yourself to the point where you realize it's not about you being able to be obedient to what God's word is commanding you to do, a willingness to submit, to die to yourself. When we start obeying God's word, when we start obeying God's word, those things start pouring out from us. The scriptural truths, the things that the Holy Spirit brings to mind, being able to minister to us in really difficult, contentious moments. And this is probably the hardest one for me. And I know we started off with this, but loving difficult people. People are difficult and hard, man. It's not easy. So this is my advice. Instead of, instead of you guys spending money on a, on a book that says how to love difficult people, this is, this is my biblical advice for you, okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. Just love your neighbor as yourself. That's the secret to loving difficult people. Think about how much we love ourselves, how sometimes we get prideful and sometimes we get arrogant and go out love our neighbor the same. Love them. Dwell with them. Do life with them. Be relational with them. And it's easier said than done. And then mediating conflict. Man, that's a hard thing to do. Especially a lot of times we have this desire to be right. Our goal is to be able to present truth. Whether somebody receives that truth of the gospel or not, that's on them. And so for us, if we can be presenters of truth, if we can be presenters of God's word, if we can be able to work through conflict and, and work through it in a peaceful manner, then we are showing the love of Christ in that we're truly making peace. But peace doesn't just start on an external level. It begins internally. It starts for us internally by making peace with Jesus Christ. And making peace with Jesus Christ, one of the things we have to admit and one of the things we have to doubt ourselves in is that peace is not a vacation from persecution. A lot of times when we think of peace, we think that we're sitting on a beach, we're chilling, We're having a great time. Everything's awesome. My life is going great. Do you know that you can be at peace and still be suffering at the same time? I think one of the things that our culture does a really good job of of doing and presenting is that man, either you can have peace or you can have persecution, but you can't have both. And here's what God says. No, 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 you can have peace in the midst of being persecuted. So it's a matter of who are you going to listen to? Are you gonna listen to your culture or are you going to listen to your God? Which one do you believe the most? Because what the culture says is really easy, right? Let me just do the things that, that I know get me accepted in the culture. Let me just dwell with the culture and let me just go in and be at peace with them. And my life will be easy. I'll be on cruise control all the way down 64. But here's what God says. You can have peace in the midst of turmoil, but that peace is found in him. That peace is found in him. It's not found in me. And so what our culture does another good job of is building us up as our own like lowercase g gods. And think about the peace that I can make. Think about the things that I can do. Think about the ways that I can work. The things that I can do with my hands. when we start to begin to worship ourselves. It's when we start to worship ourselves, it's when we start to get cocky and arrogant and think that we know everything and think that we're always right. That's when we start missing out on the truths that God offers to us. That's when we start missing out on the fact that Jesus loves us, that he died for us, that he wants a relationship with us. And it's the consistency of just stripping away all these things that are of the flesh, putting on the full armor of God and going to battle against the lies that our culture tells. It's not, it is not, 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 not a vacation from persecution. Now, I also want you to know this, there are times as Christians where we will actually experience real peace where there also won't be persecution at times. But what we want to understand in this, in this context is that we ought to have peace with the fact that we will be persecuted. There will be moments where God does give us rest, but in the midst of persecution, we must have peace. So what is peace? It is being still and confident that God is with us amid persecution, that he's with you, that he is with me. That is what gives us peace. No matter what's going on around you, no matter the the trials that you are facing, reminding yourself daily, reminding yourself daily that God is with you amid persecution is a vital ingredient to enduring persecution. Being able to dwell with him, being able to abide with him, being able to fellowship, to communion with him. And here's what what it says, his word says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oddly enough, that gives me peace because I know that the persecution that I will experience in this life, no matter what it may entail, whether it be physical, whether it be verbal, whatever it may be, I know that if I'm doing God's will and if I'm living for the Lord, again, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So your perspective cannot be man, I'm living it up for the world. I wanna make the most of everything that I can do that this world has to offer. It has to have a heavenly perspective. And if you don't maintain a heavenly perspective in this life, it is going to be very, very, very difficult for you to navigate persecution. And to the younger generations and even to the older ones who have forgotten, when, when hard times come, I know it's hard to say, man, I'm so excited to experience hard times. I'm not the first one who's like, yeah, let's get on board, woo, woo, party on, all right? That's not my reaction. But my reaction is just to be still for a second whenever I experience hard times. Both my wife and I put it at the foot of the cross and give it to God first and allow him to minister us through whatever persecutions that we may be facing. the other crazy part here too is that the scripture says, that blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Sometimes it's just really hard to wrap your head around. There's a wonderful passage about God's ways and his thoughts, it comes from Isaiah 55. uh, Verse eight says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That can either make you really frustrated or it can give you a lot of peace. For me, it gives me a lot of peace. Because here's what I know, the way that I think is not the way that God thinks. The way that he goes about doing things is not the way that I go about doing things. And for me, that gives me somebody to look up to, somebody to follow, somebody to pursue in a relationship. And that gives me peace. Knowing and trusting the fact that God literally, his ways are so far above anything that we could ever imagine. We have the opportunity to dwell inside of a relationship with somebody like that. Man, that is a beautiful thing. And then on the other end, when we go and we, we have this relationship with Christ and if, if we're walking through him, no matter what the hardship may look like, that peacemaking, it has to start with this step. It starts by making peace with Christ. How are you making peace with Christ? How are you getting to the place where you say, okay, God, I understand that I know that I'm going to go through suffering. I understand and I know that I'm going through persecution. I understand and I know and I'm ready for those moments. Can you be with me? What are you doing to prepare yourself for those moments? And for those of you in the room who don't know Christ, who don't have a relationship with him, that's where it really begins. There's a wonderful passage. It's Romans chapter five, verses one through two. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, this isn't on your screens, but listen to this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. You see the mentality of the early church, it wasn't just to preach the word of God. It wasn't just to teach the word of God. And then all of a sudden just go and tap out. They were done. No, it was to consistently live it out, model it day by day, going and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every single day they lived that out, no matter what the cost was. So how are we doing this? As a church, who are we discipling? How are we connecting inside of our local body? And for those of us that are experiencing like active persecution right now, do not isolate yourself. What I'm about to say is not a shameless plug for small group season. I'm being serious when I say this. Get inside of a small group and get inside a biblical community if you're walking through persecution. And if you're not being disciple, get inside of small groups because that's super important to be able to go and grow together as a family. Huh? You said plug it. Nice. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Guys, we have, that was funny. Great, your comedic timing is impeccable. So here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We need to be involved inside of the body of Christ and doing life together. These people inside of the early church didn't just isolate themselves from biblical community. They never forsook coming together and worshiping together and growing in their walk with the Lord. So if we are going to model again, the things that the early church did. If we are going to go model the discipleship that they went through and they experienced, then we need to be collectively doing life together with one another, not only inside the walls of this church, but outside the walls of this church. And small groups are a great place to start. And so get involved and plugged in to the life of this church. I promise you, you will meet some amazing people who have walked through all kinds of different hardships, have walked through all kinds of fun experiences and have done a lot of life with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you will get some serious wisdom from them to teach you on how to live this godly life. Our burden, but our blessing is passing on what we have learned from the word of God to the next generations. If you wanna help me do my job, they continue to train up your kids in the way that they should walk. Continue to invest in them. They're it. They're the next generation that's going to be able to be leading this church. And so if they're the next generation that's gonna be leading this church, then we ought to do our due diligence to teach them how to do it the right way and not let the culture teach them how to do it. Teach them what the word of God says about being a peacemaker, about experiencing persecution, how we're blessed from it. That's our responsibility. That's our burden. Because one day we're gonna pass away, one day we're gonna die, we're gonna go to heaven. For those of us who know Jesus Christ, and then it's them. They have to carry on as we have left. So the last thing that I want you guys to understand and walk through today is that Christ is our Prince of Peace. He's our Prince of Peace, Ephesians chapter two, verses fourteen through sixteen says this. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What Paul is talking about here is what Christ did on the cross for our sins. Those of you inside this room who have never had a relationship with Christ, I wanna talk to you for a second. And those of you who do, I wanna say this as a reminder. I was watching a video of this doctor. Um, He was a Christian scientist. And so he was explaining uh, just the, the mechanics behind what the Romans did when they crucified individuals. And so, he was not a believer until he started studying this, which is something that's quite interesting. So when he, when he studied Jesus's crucifixion, he talked about how when the nails went into his wrist and into his feet, just the sheer nerve damage that Jesus would have experienced, the pain is just unimaginable. And he started to cry because from a scientific standpoint, he understood how much pain that Jesus was experiencing. So for every time that Jesus would, would push up, with his feet to draw breath, he would experience pain coming up his body. And every single time that he would slouch down after drawing that breath, he would experience immeasurable pain. And the one thing that this scientist came up and said was I, I sat in church. I listened every single day, but until I actually studied this, I never realized how much I didn't deserve what Jesus did for me until I, until I learned. And I studied the amount of pain that he went through for me. And he was weeping. I think oftentimes we, we look at our relationship with Christ and we see it just as it just this you know, just thing that we do. And you know what we forget? We forget the cost and the price that Jesus paid. We forgot about how much he gave for us, completely undeserving, but for somehow in his grace and his mercy and his love, our Lord sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins a debt that we couldn't pay. And what Paul talks about in here is how Jesus' death on the cross literally tore the veil completely and utterly so that way we may walk into a communion, into a fellowship with God like never before. And that is what we must cling to in the midst of our persecution. As the band makes their way back up to the stage, I just want you guys to know this. I want you guys to experience this and be at peace with this in your life whenever you're walking through persecution, um, there are going to be moments where people are going to mock you for what you're going through. There are going to be moments where people are going to laugh at you. There are going to be moments, like I recently experienced, where you're at getting a haircut and somebody jokes you for what you believe. And then sometimes it's a little bit of a joke, but not really. Sometimes you're just a little bit nervous because you know they got the power to be able to kind of mess up your hair pretty well whenever you're in the middle of the thing, but that's beside the fact. There are gonna be times when you're gonna be tested. There are times that you're gonna be tried. And there are gonna be times where people are gonna look at you and they're gonna say, I can't believe that you actually believe this. There are one or two options that you have. Again, either you live for Christ fully, or then you just say, okay, you know what? I'm not gonna live for Christ. I'm just gonna go and follow my culture. Don't be afraid of being rejected for the sake of Christ, please, please. There have been so many people who have lived in this life who have laid a foundation of not being of not rejecting Christ and even being humble to the point of death. Please do not reject Christ. And for those of you in this room, again, who are sitting here and you're just literally wondering, man, this guy's this guy's either crazy or he's telling the truth. It is the truth. And even some of your minds, it might sound a little bit crazy. But we are blessed every single day that us as believers had the opportunity to suffer for the sake of Christ. We are blessed every single day for those moments when we walk through persecution. We are blessed when we are able to make peace, but it all starts with you being able to make peace with Christ, to die to yourself, to say that you're a sinner, say that you're a sinner in need of a savior, to repent of your sins, to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, his bodily, he was buried, he resurrected from the grave again, three days later, claiming victory over death. And by confessing with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved, entering into that relationship with him. And so today, as we continue um, to, to navigate um, through the next journeys that our church is about to go through, as we continue to talk about um, some more things in the life and body of our church, I just want to end this series with you um, with this truth. Your relationship with Christ has been paid for. Remember that but discipleship and being more like Christ comes at a cost. Are you willing to pay it? Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we had to open up your word of truth. Thank you for these individuals um, who are here inside this room. May you continue to bless us. Uh, May you continue to grow us in all wisdom, favor, and stature with you, with man. That we continue to abide with you, to grow with you, to dwell with you. And no matter what type of persecution we may experience, Father, I just pray that we would continue to just be remembered that you are with us and there's peace that comes from that. Father, you were kind and you were good. Thank you for this time that we have to worship together.